we're dealing with Christians that are a mix of Gentiles coming from one tradition and Jews coming from strict observance of holidays. So you can imagine that they got into arguments about, well, you need to be observing every day that we do. So it's the kind of arguments you're hoping that we get into. The kind of arguments I'm hoping we get into. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Okay, hi, Mark. You're just telling me something's happening with your sneakers. What's happening? Oh, it was a big, it was a big shoe drop today. Four pairs released via the sneakers app, and I am ready to get none of them. <laughs> it's been a hot minute since I have copped a set of sneakers on that app. Now, I think the glo- the golden years might be over. Let, let's sure. let's talk real. Uh, we're among friends here. What what do you do with the what do you do with the ethical dilemma of supporting the Nike machine, which hates God and et cetera? Oh, man. I think it's a world dilemma that we live in. That's true. It, so, oh, you're like, do you, how do you avoid brands, you know? Yeah, that, that would be an interesting conversation for, I mean, we think about that even in investing. Yes. Uh, you know, some people just want their money spread out everywhere and some people want their money to be specifically not put in certain places yeah um, and we have as a financial management firm we have strong opinions on how to approach that i was listening to joe rogan talk about if you own a phone right now it's probably the number one thing you do to support child slavery basically because oh, wow. there's there's minerals in those chips that can only be pulled out with small human hands in certain parts of Africa, and that's how they are. Good grief. Done. And he he keeps saying, I think it would be interesting, like, he keeps saying, I would pay $2,500 for a phone if I knew that it was, it was ethically sourced, but right now there's no such thing. Because it's like way, way, way back in the supply chain before Apple ever gets their hands on the stuff. It's the, the raw materials. So what you're telling me is that you punt on Nike responsibility and just move, move, move ahead. Yeah. Do you want to correct me on that? No, I'm just, just calling it out for fun. But there, I mean, do you think I should switch to Adidas and go with the Yeezys (laughs) support Kanye? That's a different kind of, that's a different kind of immorality. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, I'm just sitting here looking around my desk and going, What's the story behind this Samsung monitor I'm looking at? I have no idea. I just know that Nike is unlike whoever makes the teeny tiny molecular size components in my phone because they're so outspoken that they they hate men, they hate patriarchy, they hate um, heterosexuality, etc. that's all they 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 become it becomes a little onerous to deal with a company like that anyways so, i mean what 
I agree that there is some similarly required cognitive dissonance that one has to engage in if you want to ever look at the Nike sneakers well, app. You just have to go. Eh, I mean, I was me just talking shoes. to a friend this week about what is your, how do you get TV content, and how 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 could you possibly hope that that's a pure you know that you're getting something pure i don't care what you use i i i stomped my feet and and uh, got rid of netflix i don't know a year or two ago yeah we did um, that too but you know what <laughs> very similar programming is now being is now on amazon prime and you think well okay i, I don't know what to do about that anyhow when it comes to tv I'm currently paying for cable. Oh, you are? Beca because as much as this frustrates the stink out of me, it legitimately is cheaper at my house to have cable and internet than to have just internet okay. at the same speed. Okay. So that gets me access to some of the things. The only subscription service we pay for is Discovery Plus because my wife enjoys the home renovation shows. But I'll tell you, even the HGTV hates us. Um, so you can't get away from it if you want to watch the modern day version. HGTV isn't on your basic cable package? That's surprising. Oh uh, Yeah, it is, I think. But Discovery Plus m bunches everything into one. It's actually a kind of a cool assortment of, <laughs> you know, Amelia being a surgeon likes to watch the really weird surgery stuff which is weird to me because i oh, i don't gravy i don't watch tv shows about financial planners to unwind at the end of a hard day of financial uh -huh. planning um yeah but whatever yeah. okay that's what you were you were making unethical choices right before we got on i was <laughs> also on my also on my phone made with child slave hands i'm sorry um but here's what I was doing. This is something I was gonna I was gonna hype anyways to the people. Um, people are aware of my well. If you're a longtime listener, you're aware of we did a we did an episode on credit card hacks one time, and um, mm -hmm. people know about my love of the Starbucks credit card. Which, by the way, just this morning I have a birthday coming up. Just this morning I got an email from him. Hey, because you're a Starbucks card holder. You're getting get anything you want on your birthday. Just come on in. Just get whatever you want. Um, that was nice. Um, but here's my here's this year's credit card recommendation from me. Okay, and it's not even a, really a credit card. It's a debit card. Have I talked to you about Fold? No. Okay. Get ready. I, w I would like to see if I can find a drum roll uh, sound effect to stick in here. Um, okay, I'm, I apologize as a friend that we haven't had maybe just enough time together for me to tell you about the Fold app, okay? I want everyone to get the Fold app. So here's how the Fold app works. Used, it's like a little. I don't know what it is. It's a it's a receptacle, repository for cash. So you go get some cash. You connect it to your bank account. You throw, say, 
$200 into your Fold account. With your Fold account, you go buy, you can do a couple of things. You can buy gift cards. So you could buy gift cards to Chipotle or to Amazon or to Bed Bath & Beyond or to The Gap. And every time you spend Fold money, what? Oh, I just have a Chipotle gift card in my hand right now. That's it, that's providential. What are the chances that among the major leading brands in our nation, you might have one on your desk? Okay. You, you buy those things when you, I know that all you're doing is just another step for your money. Instead of going straight from your bank account to Chipotle, it's going into the fold out and into Chipotle. But when you spend this money, you get something like two to 5% of that money gets piled up in sats. Fold gives you free sats for just using it, and it starts piling up a big pile. Let's remind the non-inducted what a sat is. A sat is a teeny, 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 weeny, teensy, eensy, beensy particle of a Bitcoin. A Satoshi. Yeah, short... The short is sats. If you're really hip, you say sats. Okay. okay. And so they will pile up sats for you for using their stuff. And then once you have passed over 50,000 sats, then you can pull a big magic invisible lever and then whoosh, it will send these sats into your crypto wallet. If you have one of those, you should get one of those. That's what I think. Um, so this morning, I just happened to have sent 52,779 sats, which in U.S. dollars is 32 bucks. It's $32 of free Bitcoin kind style of money that I've, I've gathered just by using the app and then you send it out. Um, if you're real into this, like I am, and you feel like these people are just, just, uh, just want to encourage this practice. There's a sort of step two. Oh, by the way, if you get the little app that the spending money through their uh, through their little portal isn't the only way to to get sats every day, every 24 hours, you get to a little spin, a little digital wheel. You spin the magic wheel and you see what comes up and it's everything from five sats to yes, they do give away entire bitcoins. But you might win a thousand sats. You might win ten thousand sats. Every day you can spin this wheel, and if you want to go to step two, you can. You, they can issue you a fold card. So that's why I put this in the credit card category because I actually have a black fold card. You load it up just like a debit card, and you can spend it anywhere. It's on the Visa platform. You can spend it absolutely anywhere. Not only do you automatically get sats for spending it anywhere, but every time you use it, it doesn't matter if it's $2 for a stick of gum at the CVS, you get to spin that wheel again and get yourself tons of juicy sats. Have you done the math to figure out if you're getting better returns than, say, a 2% cash back card would give you that you could then turn into? No. No. So you just like the, the gamification? Well... I like that it's translating directly into Bitcoin. That's the fun. Cool. So that's it, the fold card. I wanted to throw that out. Good tip. Now then.
I have a little um, article I found that I'd like to I'd like to like to get your uh, get your reaction to. Okay. It's in the USA Today brand God-hating periodical that happens in America every day. A, a newspaper I used to I used to really enjoy. Because we we were a part of that culture recently. The God the God-hating the culture? God-haters. Thankfully, we were saved, but let's uh, let's keep that in mind. Okay. <laughs> Given okay, how much we're talking about the God-haters. Well, yeah, sure, sure. They're only by grace am I not actively part of the God-hating culture right now um he used to really love this newspaper because it was a it was a 30,000 foot screen through America you didn't you have to read too long or too hard to get a grasp of what's going on you're not also, getting cutting uh, analysis no from, no 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 from no, USA no. today that's no for sure. it's, it's basically long headlines is what you're getting so here's a little here's a little article um not it, was, it won't be it won't be shocking to you, um, but we're we're bringing the news to the people. Here it is. The headline is: Too many Americans financially vulnerable. Are you shocked yet? Um, I've never even contemplated that Americans might not be prepared for, you know, all manner of financial disasters. But go ahead. Okay. Even before the pandemic hurt the U.S. economy. About one-third of American families didn't have enough money to set aside to cope with, quote, a mid-sized financial shock, according to a Stanford and George Washington University study. George Washington University, your old stomping grounds. Yes, unfortunately. Ultimately, a huge population, I'm skipping around, ultimately a huge population of America's diverse population is financially insecure and the uncertainty and turmoil of the COVID-19 pandemic have only made financial resiliency even more crucial moving forward, the study found. Here's a couple of data points of theirs. If an unexpected need arose, 27% of households in 2020 and 31% in 2018 said they would not be able to come up with $2,000 to cope with the problem. Another, just this is the last thing I'm reading, another bullet point in this article, nearly half of households said they didn't have an emergency or rainy day fund that would cover expenses for three months in case of sickness, job loss, economic downturn, or other emergencies. What do you think? Well, we've talked about this many, many times on the Abraham's I Wall know podcast. That. I feel I like that. What are we doing here? Just rehashing the things that our listeners know really well and hopefully are either completely not a part of or are no, still ahead of the one, eight ball because they're working to not be a part of? No. Number one, our people don't swim in these waters every day like you and I do. Yep. So a little reminder is never, never amiss. Okay. Two, even if there's an old truth that makes a new headline, I think that's noteworthy for us. Somebody decided, somebody in the editorial board decided this was newsworthy. So this might be an aha for somebody. And not leastly, we'll have a bunch of new listeners that have never heard us opine on this mm, on this concept. So I'm throwing it out we there. We are growing like a weed. Well, if you want me to, to react in a new way. Yes, I want you to react. You can react in an old way. Let me just give you some some worldly versus Abrahamic thinking. 
the world would say you need to have your credit cards like yeah you shouldn't you shouldn't run those up too high if you can help it and make sure you have enough money coming in every month to cover your bills including maybe your your debt payments we would say you should figure out exactly how much it costs to run your household for a month and you should have six months of that on hand so very big difference there and my hunch is if you if you you know we're coming upon Lodo Feb in not that long, th mm. three and a half months from now. Yeah. If you the, get, it, 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 when it gets colder, you know that Lodo Feb isn't far away. Yeah. If you, uh, hey, check this out. Sneakers. Success. You got some. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. Now you're actually participating in the God dismantling <laughs> economy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if you get really good at the Lodo Feb thing, you can probably stretch that six months of emergency fund into a year if you had to. Yeah. And that's a long time, a year to live with zero income. I mean, if anybody wants to know what that's like, you can talk to someone that's a part of the Abraham's Wallet podcast who runs an event planning business. Um, 2020 wasn't a great year for event planning, turns out. Yeah, true. Uh, when the government tells you you can't have an event. Yep. Uh, but... Um, I think so there's a personal implication. There's also something we have been just, it's been really awesome the last six to nine months is just keep in mind that the people around you cannot weather a small emergency financially and occasionally jump in and weather the financial emergency for them. Um, so it's been like just a delightful giving practice that, we have put our antenna up for is there a, is there something that is going to put someone else into a bad spot financially that we it wouldn't be that big of a deal uh, for us to jump in and help with um, and you know at, at my wife's work she's run across people who are doing their best but are in this category and you know saying hey can we do x y or z for you you've you've got this need that would break your bank and it's really not a big deal for us that's really fun um and it also opens all sorts of doors for relationship for the gospel um i don't think i don't think i'm saying buy people's uh uh faith but i do think we've talked so much about using money to to win friends and if somebody has a financial emergency and needs a plane ticket and cannot afford it and you buy them a plane ticket they are going to be interested in why did you do this for me yeah. uh, you're you're my boss why'd you do this for me um <laughs> uh and that's a fun conversation to have so personal implications and out giving community implications to this knowledge that most people are walking around broke as a joke yeah were you hoping for some sort of more no. precise and cutting analysis of that no, article no, for me? Any, I feel like I've disappointed you. No, any reaction was going to be okay. approved. Let's get into our argument for today. Okay. Well, <laughs> you, 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 you're convinced we're going to be arguing, huh? Well, you can describe how this topic came up in your mind because we're going to be agreeing on lots of things and p potentially arguing about one or two. Okay. So I, th th those are the best. Okay. When Mark and Steven just sit here and 
rub each other's bellies, then it's not really very uh, exciting for the people. Really? You think you think what people want after all they've been watching is the horror in the news? The they want to hear some conflict. Yeah, all they watch for entertainment <laughs> is just the most disheartening, dehumanizing crap. Uh, there's a show that I won't even name, yeah. but I heard I heard two people mention this show, and and one of them was country music superstar and singing sensation Lyle Lovett, who I'm an old fan of. He mentioned this show on a podcast I heard recently. I thought, okay, well, I'll go give it a shot. I did not make it 90 seconds through that show. It was so foul and profane. And I think, what? why would people watch this for fun? And you look at the, the kind of violent, horrible kind of fear stuff that comes up around Halloween time, which we're about to talk about, and, and people seem to, they, they choose to make this part of their mental emotional diet it's crazy to me anyhow well yeah let's get into it because <laughs> i i saw a billboard yesterday as i was driving around salt lake city that said we have this this haunted house that's right off the freeway sure there's it's kind of i think it's an old grain elevator or something and there's a bridge between the two towers and all year long there's a human body hanging from a noose between those two oh, gosh. towers. And it's like, this is awful if this was in... Horrible. I mean, this is what, like, it happens in Mexico and people say the, the city yeah. is, is falling to the cartels. And, yeah, yeah. And we do it as a joke, I guess. But um, there was a billboard up for this haunted house that said... It is one of the three... Rated by whoever as one of the three most traumatizing haunted oh. houses in america <laughs> hey I, that's amazing i couldn't and, imagine and, a less and the exit off the turnpike was yeah. just crowded people going like traumatizing i'm in yeah it's just i'm gonna bring my children so maybe maybe we'll get into that with halloween but and and how many and how many dumb dumb 20 somethings will also take their children with them because they think in their mind this this falls into holiday fun somehow Okay, so the topic is holidays, and what do we do about holidays in general? Um, it just it came from uh, several conversations I've had over the years, and it was provoked recently by an email that was sent to me, and um, I, I kind of, uh, you know, as you do cramming through emails, I just came up with whatever was on the top of my head, sent it off i cc'd you on it and said maybe something we need to cover i know we haven't touched on this before and i presume because of that e that email must have been what you thought mm, i'm not totally in agreement with all that so um do you want to do you want to start or shall i well i let's start because i think we're in alignment on the main thrust so go through what you got and then i'll respond in a couple spots okay this is how i th this is how i think it through okay number one so when we think of well how do we uh, now i'm just kind of coaching people how to think when you th when you are confronted with something that is a cultural norm or a cultural value or an idea that comes across your monitor what you first do is mentally retreat into god's word and you think to yourself 
What does God say about this? Or what is the precedent that has been set through scriptures? Now, I'll just take a little detour here and just say we don't believe in a concept called progressive Christianity, which is that Christianity is evolving as as time goes by and it is changing to accommodate the modern man and it's moving to a more uh, futuristic kind of space. Um, We don't believe that. The scriptures say that God never changes, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. So Jeremiah 6, 16 says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths. So we go back, back, back in our mind and go, what does God say about this? So when, when, when we're asked, what, what uh, would we make of holidays? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that God actually commanded holidays for Jews. There were seven feasts, and they were littered throughout the annual calendar, and they were commanded of God's people, you will take these holidays. You will stop working. Some, some of them, he said, you will celebrate during this time. Some of them, he said, you will repent, and you will, you know, tear your garments. So he... The point is, in the annual calendar, there were holidays that God commanded. Now, we believe on this side of the cross that all of those feasts found their fulfillment in Christ. That's a very important point. So Colossians 2, 16 and 17 tells us, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival that is the seven feasts, a new moon celebration. Those were monthly um, observances where you dedicate the month to God. That seems like a great idea. But what if you don't want to participate in a new moon celebration? Listen to this. Or a Sabbath day. There, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So all of these things find their fulfillment in Christ, those, those seven festivals. So from where we sit, as we read back at Leviticus, for instance, and we're just these Jewish festivals are described to us, you have an option. You can use those to teach and train your, your own heart and your children, your family. They're just sitting there. And they can be exploited easily since they kind of have God DNA baked into them. You're free to do that. So that's how we see biblical feasts. That's how we see biblical holidays. Okay, so I'll, I'll start you're, there. You're also free not to do them. Yeah, yeah. I think that I, think okay. I said that. Okay, you want to say anything else about that part? Are we going to get to Romans 14? I'm not. I feel like that's the the key passage. Oh, it's the key passage. I, I think so because it's Paul talking about holidays. They're, the okay. Roman Christians were arguing evidently about holiday observance, and he said, "All right, you know, s- starting in verse five, he says one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike." Just pause. Uh, we're dealing with Christians 
that are a mix of Gentiles coming from one tradition and Jews coming from strict observance of holidays. So you can imagine that they got into arguments about, well, you need to be observing every day that we do. So it's it's the kind of arguments you're hoping that we kind of arguments I'm hoping we get into. No. uh, Okay. The one who observes uh, or it says each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Um, I don't think we've put it up yet, but we did a whole episode on matters of conscience. And I, I think that this is Paul kind of pointing back to actually conscience Absolutely. is important and you i'm not going to tell you go go a or b but you need to be convinced and then you need to actually hold to that um it says the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the lord the one who eats this is comes right after um paul talks about uh meat sacrifice to idols um so the one who eats eats in honor of the lord since he gives thanks to god while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord. Um, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. Uh, the whole chapter is really good. So go read Romans 14. But um, Paul really clearly in that, in my mind, he's telling us you have options here, but and yeah. don't judge your brother if they have a different uh, view on this. He'll go on later in the, the chapter to talk about not causing other people to stumble so don't put a yoke on somebody that says, you know, you have to like, oh, you're kind of a B team because you do you do Sabbath on Sundays like kind of an an old timey Christian. But we've got the cool new yeah. Christian Saturday. Yeah. Like, don't do that. It's sin. Paul says it's sin. Um, and you're you're not letting a brother or sister kind of act in conscience there. But I think it's very relevant to this discussion. OK continue fine you thought that was you thought romans 14 was the key passage on this whole subject on how we take the thick body of old testament holiday instruction and handle it in the new covenant i think it's a pretty key passage but go ahead if you okay. you clearly right, think right. it's it's boring and <laughs> no probably no shouldn't have i just wanted to make fun of, included in the scriptures i just wanted to make fun of you saying that it was the key passage okay steven says it's just so, paul's okay. opinion Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we should all, hey, it's not like Paul is Jesus or he didn't, anything. He didn't know what things were going to be like in 2021. Yeah, right. Um, okay. That, that's, that's how we deal with, so there's a biblical pattern. There are holidays. I have, I had, there's a friend in my life who believes that, you know, what God told us to work, I don't ever telling, I don't see him telling us to go on vacation. He has this big hard stance on this, which I just go, well, it is a precedent. I mean, the, we, he did tell that to Israel, so, and we have freedom. So now let's talk about our relationship to our country because now we get into a different thing. Okay, we're taking that principle from the Bible, we're trying to bring it into present day and go, how do I? filter what happens around me so i'm this is a little opportunity to talk about our relationship to our country so i'm taking it ready acts 17 26 says from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live god did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. 
My point there is that God chose that you would live in this country. Wherever you're listening to this from, he chose you to live in that country. Okay, Jeremiah 29, 7 says, Seek the peace of the city where I have exiled you. Now, that I know that there's a specific historical context for that. I think that applies to everybody everywhere. Seek the peace of the city where I have exiled you. Pray to the Lord for that city. So think of these are Israeli. Well, he's talking to those who will listen to the voice of God. So they're God-fearing Hebrews. They're exiled into foreign countries that serve foreign gods. And it says, pray to the Lord for that city, because when it has peace and prosperity, you will have peace and prosperity. God, the end story of a of a um, worldview and a society that's based on God's word is peace and prosperity. It's shalom. And God says, seek that wherever you are. So I, I feel like I have to establish, I didn't have to, I wouldn't have had to establish that 25 years ago, but I have to establish that today because there's something people have in their minds that we have an ejector button and we can completely uh, divorce ourselves from the country in which we live. And there's this um, straw man of Christian nationalism um, that has messed up our relationship to our country. The fact is, if you live in America, you are in America to be a blessing to America. You should be um, a good citizen of that country. And that means that you're vying for God's kingdom to come in your country. Okay, so you live in this place. We are Americans. We take that identity seriously. It's our home. If he had if he had born me in uh, uh, Canada, I would be uh, an, an enthusiastic fan of Canada praying for God's peace in Canada. That, but I'm not there. I'm here. And so I believe that national holidays that are about citizenship, like July 4th and President's Day, I say do that with gusto. Now, if they ever said you need to bow down and pray to the American flag and ask Uncle Sam to come into your heart, uh, that's different. Um, that that would be asking us to do something godless. But if it's just, hey, let's celebrate the country that we're in. It's it's good history and the good things that have happened here. I say, yeah, do that with gusto. Of course, what we said previously still applies. You're free to refrain. Right. So that's one kind of holiday. Comment on that. No, I agree. I think. I've gone back and forth in my days on very uh, staunch objection to anything that seemed American-y. And and I I think that was folly. Uh, I I don't think it was wise to kind of have that posture. Um, And, you know, we could go down the rabbit hole of now everything that even sort of doesn't hate America as being called nationalism, but um, of course, I don't think that's the case. I, I also think there is a real ditch over there. It's just not where culture seems to be at the moment. So no, I don't think not. you're in too much danger of falling into the nationalism. I ditch. don't know anybody in that ditch, uh, actually. So, yeah, um, I agree with you. We could we could go on at length talking about a Christian's relationship to government, something I'm very interested in, but I'll move on. So 
next the next kind of holiday that comes to mind for me american holidays is that some holidays are so easily compatible with our faith that i think it would be a miss to not use them like you would use jewish festivals so so mark and i this year we both observed sukkot so this is a biblical holiday we built a little shelter behind our houses pretty, pretty big used shelter that to be honest a, mine was okay luxurious okay. yours was really manly yes um and we use that as an opportunity to teach okay similarly something like thanksgiving would fall under this same heading for me thanksgiving that's a very biblical concept so in my house we're, this will air just before thanksgiving so i'll just i'll just take a little a little uh, cul-de-sac here and just describe a little bit of what thanksgiving this looks like this is great in, you your thanksgiving to my family they made our thanksgiving better last year so i'm excited oh okay well i Park hope i remember up, what listeners. i said to you okay gosh i hope i i hope uh maybe you can add to whatever i say here um i i i i, I like teaching the children uh and reviewing for a family the story of the pilgrims um i i like i like that that it's sort of like your family history. You know, we, we believe in sharing family stories with our kids, not because we worship grandpa, but because there's a picture in grandpa's life of what God did for him that flows directly to the children. And they need to see there has been a flow of grace that has come through the generations that I'm a beneficiary of. I want them to understand that story. I want them to understand that their great-grandfather, was it great-grandfather? Yeah, great-grandfather moved, you can listen if you want to, to my father uh, telling these stories on podcasts, but that a great-grandfather moved from North Carolina to Texas with no money because he hoped that he might could get a job at a filling station. And how God used that, that crazy circumstance in an era before before uh, certainly before the internet before everybody had a phone to to uh get them where they are now so we're all on the receiving end of grace i feel like there are national stories that do the same thing i'm on the receiving end of grace uh, when, when on july 4th we read the declaration of independence in our home it it's not the bible i'm not reading the bible i don't we don't pray to the constitution but we read the declaration of independence to go like wow how blessed are we to live in a place that believes some of these things, you know, and, and, and review those. And men who made these hard stands, men of courage, etc. So we do that pilgrim thing because we're, we're grateful. We tell the story of people of courage and faith. Um, they, I know they weren't all people of faith, but there were definitely God-fearing pilgrims. Okay. Then... Um, at Thanksgiving time, we kind of can, we kind of make Thanksgiving a sort of mini uh, Passover in this way that we want everybody to participate, and we also want to honor the scriptures. So my favorite passages that we read every year at Thanksgiving are Deuteronomy eight is the best, and uh, if you if you're jotting this down, 
I read Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 18. And basically what it says is everything that's come our way in the last year has come because of God's grace. And we acknowledge that. And even um, there, the, a couple of specific verses from that chapter say, you know, your tendency will be when you have made houses for yourselves and you're comfortable in them, you will forget God. And I, I, I always think of what did their houses look like when Israel, the first generation that Israel set up camp in Canaan. Now think of those little rudimentary houses that they had. And God told them, now hold on, there's, that's going to be so luxurious and comfortable for you that you might forget me. Fast forward to me in my climate-controlled home where I swiffer the floors if I see two, two dust balls on the floor, the china that's going to be laid out on the table for Thanksgiving or whatever, and think, gee, is there any danger of us not being thankful to God? I'd say that there are very present dangers of us not being so comfortable that we forget to God, forget uh, God. And he even says the money that you're able to earn, I gave you the ability to earn that money. So thank me for all of it. So, so I like to read Deuteronomy 8. I also, this has just become tradition to read Psalm 36. It's the one, um, your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. It's just a praise of how good he's been to us. And then we give thanks to God and we, and we go around and everyone has to share things they're thankful for. What, what else did I tell you that's better than that? I feel like I'm probably missing something. No, I think I think you got it. I think that uh, going back and and talking through the actual story of the the migration to the United States by pilgrims who, interestingly, not fans of Christmas, uh, huh. they they uh, yes that was something that we did last year. Last thing, last thing for for Thanksgiving. Last thing, when you're considering how how much you have to be thankful for. Your kids are going to go, my family. And, and, and then one's going to go, food. But you can get a little bit um, better stuff out of them if you'll walk through the five capitals. And you say, what do we have to be thankful for spiritually? What do we have to be thankful for relationally? Then they're going to name their best friends. And they're going to name grandparents. And then what do we have to be thankful for intellectually? So you can stir up a lot better stuff if you'll, if you'll just trot out those subjects as you're being thankful. That's great. And I would and I and I don't I I'm kind of offended. I've been at Thanksgivings before when it's kind of um it's like being thankful is kind of like a little mascot for the for the day and it's like, well, that was cute. We did that. Now where's the candy corn? No, the, <laughs> make the event about gratitude and then actually stop and give thanks to the Lord and maybe sing a song of gratitude to the Lord. Like actually do it. That, that's what I have to say about that. Okay. Now, some people don't celebrate any holidays be, uh, because of their questionable origins, like Christmas, for instance. Um, Christmas started out super pagan origins. It, it got Jesus slapped no, onto it. What? Not true. Oh. I don't buy that. I don't buy that story. Oh, okay. But Wait, go ahead. Do you, do you want me to keep talking or, or what? Well, okay. this is where this is where we get into the into the cage together. 
<laughs> oh, okay. You want me to keep going? Yeah. Okay. If you whether you do that or you don't that or don't do that, it's fine with me. I, I the pagan again, stuff. No, whether you whether you make a stand and you go, it's it's very similar actually to the we don't buy Nestle products because of their social stances. Okay, I mean, how far down the food chain do you want to go? About what about the suppliers and the vendors that everybody uses, etc. How far do you want to go down to down the rabbit hole of where every the, the history of every holiday and whether it was all used purely or not? I, you can do that if you want to. Um, I, I tend to just take things more on face value personally. Um, we don't do we have never done Santa. My, my parents didn't really either. Um, that's more about just not wanting to lie to our children than than. I mean, the guy that the guy that the idea of Santa was based on was a great guy. I think that was a Polish guy. Is that right? Hang on. I've got it right here. Um, St. Nicholas of Myra, also known as Nicholas of Barry, or as we call him in the parrot house, just Barry. um, Yeah. Was an early Christian bishop of Greek descent from the maritime city of Myra in asia minor modern day turkey during the time of the roman empire he did many miracles that were attributed to his intercession so he was a prayer and he is the patron saint of sailors merchants (laughs) archers repentant thieves prostitutes strange Strange. children (laughs) brewers pawnbrokers unmarried people (laughs) and students in various cities and countries across europe not the patron saint of sec schools but um, now it's funny yeah so you know if you're uh we don't really have a holiday for the patron saint of pawnbrokers necessarily we do it's called it's more like christmas um oh i get it the patron saint of prostitutes but not repentant, just prostitutes. Repentant thieves, but all <laughs> prostitutes. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to be specific. They've got a lot of saints. Anyhow, so so Christmas has a has a very mixed background. I know that it, I know yeah. it's not when Jesus was born. There's no chance in the world that Jesus was born on on December 25th. I know that. And yet here it is. It's a cultural opportunity. So we take it and we we celebrate Jesus being born and we sing angels we have heard on high and we sing these and we sing these songs that glorify God for Jesus coming. So you can avoid that if you want, but I, it might be good to celebrate Jesus coming sometime, maybe during Sukkot. Can I make an argument that is extra biblical for why you should celebrate this and other explicitly Christian holidays? Will, will you accept it? Yeah, go, yeah, give it a shot. You might be more successful in getting a rise out of me if you apply the argument you're about to make to Easter, which I'm less happy about than Christmas. Okay, well... I can do that. Um, Christmas is named the Christ Mass. Yeah. That's what the Catholics named it. Easter is the pagan Babylonian god Ishtar. So it's a, it's named for 
a false god. So I, I'm not crazy about Easter. Yeah, Ishtar was one of like 20 names that I found as I researched origin of Easter. There's no agreement that it was named after Ishtar, but um, there's there's a lot of I other words. I don't need anybody to agree with me. That's what it was based, named after. Okay. Um, I'll just say that is in deep academic dispute whether that's the case. Oh, okay. Oh, gosh. Well, if experts uh, if experts question it, well, then let me back off my point here. I'll just, just to, back away just from to the like, table. To extend an olive branch before we go into a time of disagreement, I think it's important to tell you and the listener that just now, as we were recording this, my wife texted me and said, I just drove by Mitt Romney and he was in his car and wearing a mask by himself. <laughs> <laughs> he does he that's does live all in our, you need to know. He does live in our little town, so kind of interesting. Oh, but, that's great. So that's great. If I just zoom out, I'm not going to actually we can talk about the specific customs and things like that. I only have one follow-up question about Mitt. Okay. So do you think Based on the little that you know, you don't know everything about politics, not everything about virology. Or Mitt. Do you think do you think that Mitt in his luxury car wearing his mask, do you feel that he is safe? I, I do. Okay. Mostly due to the steel Great. beams in the Mercedes that okay. will protect him against <laughs> side impact crashes. <laughs> yes. I don't attribute that safety to his mask or his impeccably placed hairs on his head probably but no 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 um anyways i think my my 30,000 foot opinion on all, on all this stuff is that there is a i would say foolish quickness to discard um church history and the opinions of um those who have gone before us when it comes to some of these holidays. So, for example, my guys group, we've been digging really deep into spiritual gifts, and there's lots of opinions and arguments over uh, the the spiritual gifts. Um, and the ultimate source of authority as uh, as Protestants, we would say, is the Bible, the the Holy Scripture. Yes. However, it's very helpful to say, well, what did, you know, John, the apostle John, what did his disciple think about the gifts? What yes. did he write down? And what about his disciple? And we can actually trace. I, I, I had this idea that, you know, I don't know if the Lord's up for it, but when, when I am in his presence someday, I would be so excited to see a family tree of my spiritual like who shared the gospel with who, which apostle does, does my line lead up to? That would be really cool. Oh yeah, that would be but cool. The, even thinking about that, I'm like, there is an actual handoff that happened. You know, Paul says that people need to hear the gospel from someone who preaches it so that they can be saved. Well, that means we all trace back to these 12 people that That's true. started with, with Christ uh, or maybe 13 13 or 14. Um, but, um, I think that it's worth a lot. You're trying to cut out Matthias when you say 12, you're not trying to cut out. No, Matthias, I wasn't trying to you? cut out Matthias. I was just bringing Paul in. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. And you know, 
I think we're quick, especially the people who want to be Abraham and Sarah of their family and start all the new traditions. And well, we're going to do Jewish feasts because nobody in our family has ever done stuff like that. <laughs> right. And that's good. I, I mean, I think I do the Jewish feast. I get a lot of, of good stuff out of them. It's, it's a little bit maybe less sexy to say we are going to press into something that isn't purely biblical because you're right the the holiday of christmas the holiday of easter not biblical but has been a center of christendom since about the year 300 a.d depending on the holiday um a boon it's been a boon for christianity and this is a i mean this is a piece of the culture that has been developed and if you believe that god is using his church to communicate truth and shape us and create tradition that um then you know i'm not going all the way off into the the roman catholic understanding of tradition being on par with the scripture uh, in its authority but i also think we would be quite uh arrogant to say those those dummies for the last couple thousand years didn't know what they were doing i have discovered the the correct traditions now the puritans are an interesting example to me because they did interestingly toss christmas and they said that is the the lights and the the treats that doesn't feel very religious and holy to us but easter hardcore in on so interesting i i would i would argue that that might be a little bit more based in their puritan sensibilities that said it needs to be somber and dour in order to be holy um i agree but there's been these moments in church history in little branches of christianity where groups have said we're going to jettison one or another holiday um and I, I don't know that I see any wisdom in in doing that. So talk to me about Easter. I agree that the Puritans, they had very august and austere uh, sensibilities. And they never would have been down for Purim. Uh, Purim. And we're about to, we'll, we'll culminate this whole discussion with Halloween, which we're getting to. Um, but I'll, I will just say about Easter, the frustrating thing about Easter is that it was purely invented and contrived by the Catholics who wanted to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, but they didn't want to participate in Passover <clears throat> because you might not know this historically, they hated the ever-loving stuffings out of the Jews, hated them and wanted nothing to do with the Jews. So their idea was, we love Christ, we want to honor Christ, but have nothing to do with those stinky hebes. And so they invented out of whole cloth, they borrowed this festival to Ishtar, borrowed that and just said we'll make that our uh, this is a fertilities of fertility rights of spring kind of thing well uh, we can borrow that that's kind of happening around the same time and they they shoehorned uh christ's resurrection 
onto spring fertility eggs and bunnies stuff, which doesn't have anything to do with Jesus or the Bible or anything. So it's frustrating to me. Passover sitting right there, guys. It was sitting right there. They often happen on the same weekend. And we know it's, well, we've got Passover right here. But no, 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 no. We can't have anything to do with those with those greedy rat weasel Jews is the attitude, which I take exception to. I'm a fan of the Jews because, uh, you know, my master really likes them. He's really into them. So I am too. So I don't know why we had to do the Easter thing. So if I'm with family um, and there's a big Easter hubbub going on, <laughs> then that's fine. Uh, okay, I don't need to stomp my foot and say, no Easter baskets for my kids. If the grandparents do that, so be it. That's fine. Um, but when we're at my house, we celebrate Passover and we... You know, it's Easter is a bit of a shoulder shrug. So that's me. But these things are about conscience, aren't they? Yeah. So I don't disagree with anything that you said there. Okay. Um, I think that um, there was a very clear uh, moment where the Catholic Church said, we're going to step away um, from Passover. The early church with zero question celebrated Passover. They, they kept celebrating Passover after Jesus left and ascended. Come on. Um, we know that based on letters they wrote to each other um, that didn't make it into Why the Bible. Why wouldn't you? Of course they did. Um, and Easter itself pops in at about AD 325 into the official record where the Council of Nicaea, you've heard oh, of yeah. it. They wrote we, a creed that people like a lot. Yeah, we quote we quote we quote them at Passover because I want. Usually, we're hosting people at Passover that are new to Passover, so I want them to know this story, and I quote those guys so that they know. Here's why. Here's why your Catholic progenitors said no to this. Yep. Um, here's an interesting quote from uh, from the the Council at Nicaea. Um, it says, let's see, uh, it was resolved by the united judgment of all present, uh, regardless of the example and commands of Jesus Christ and the original apostolic fathers, that this feast ought to be kept, they're talking about Easter here, ought to be kept by all and in every place on one and the same day, Easter Sunday. And first of all, it appeared an unworthy thing that in the celebration of this mo most holy feast, we should follow the practice of the Jews who have so impiously defiled their hand with enormous sin, for we have received from our Savior a different way. And I myself, do you know who was writing this, Stephen? Was it, it John Christostom? Constantine. Okay. I myself have undertaken this decision that should meet with the approval of your sagacity and hope your wisdoms will gladly admit the practice which is observed Easter Sunday at once in the city of Rome and in Africa throughout Italy and Egypt with the entire unity of judgment. So, yes, he was not a fan of the Jew practice. Um, that being said, since 325-ish, uh, our, our spiritual ancestors have by and large all practiced Easter Sunday as a day to celebrate hmm. the resurrection of Christ. And I think there's something to that. 
Okay. Well, since you brought him up, I'll just say the Ding Dong, Constantine, whose Ding Dong mother, um, pagan queen, who ran around trying to popularize Christianity really by by making it an equivalent in pagan terms. He this was around three yeah, as you said, three twenty five, all this stuff happened. I'll give you a couple of good books for, for folks that want to know um how how uh the religion of American Christianity came to be. So for me, I, I agree with you, Mark, first of all, that like doing what our ancestors did is not something to be uh, thrown away lightly and on matters of that are kind of ethical questions or debatable matters, kind of like what we're talking about. I, I, I think that deferring to them is a good idea. I don't think that my great grandparents knew the uh, first of all, I don't think they were believers, but I don't, I also don't think they knew church history and where these things came from. So I'll, re- I'll recommend a couple of books that are, that are easy reads that, that do a little bit of work on church history. One is uh, by Frank Viola and, and George Barna together. It's called Pagan Christianity. Awesome book. It's just a really good review of where did choirs come from? I don't see choirs in the Bible. So where'd that come from? It's just a helpful review of church history. Another really easy read of one of my favorite books um, had a huge impact on me in college. The Open Church by James Rutz. And, and that's about how did the church get into the state that's in? What are God's intentions, etc.? So those are really both good, easy reads. Okay, moving on to our next category. Some holidays are just problematic. So Pride Month is becoming official. It's becoming, it's becoming part of the fabric of, of American life. It's not only something that we refrain from as a family, but we actively eschew it and we train our children to mourn it. Um, I, I almost would use the word, I train my children to hate it. I don't want that hate necessarily to translate to the way they view other children and families that do celebrate this um, celebration of godlessness. Um, but we, we will not participate in that just because it's American. Similarly, Valentine's Day, which was, you know, made up out of whole cloth, uh, it's become, it's much like Christmas, it's become just just a commercial, time to move merch. It's really an ode to romance, really, is what Valentine's Day is now, which is overemphasized in the USA. I don't want that emphasized in my children. We, we sell, so... I do have problems with Valentine's Day, but we celebrate love and covenants on Valentine's Day. That's just what we've done in my family. If you said, well, it's just gross, I don't touch it. Well, you, you, uh, you get nothing but respect from me. But of course, you, you know, you're, you're free to refrain or use these things. So there's a, there, there's a couple of, of iffy, well, not, well, Pride Month is not iffy. Valentine's Day is iffy. You know, what do you want to do with it? Halloween is especially problematic, and I, I'm interested in your thoughts on this because I got to throw up my hands on Halloween and go, okay, first of all, I got to, 
it's, it's, it's a complicated stew for me. Number one is because my birthday is on Halloween. So we want, we want hoopla. We, we like a little fanfare for, for uh, my birthday. So we do it. I mean, we, we, we do the dressing up in silly costumes and, and handing out trick or treats to neighbors. Hey, you know what you can also do? You can put a little tract. What if Christians put little tracts in with all of their candy that they, well, maybe they'd be thrown away, but maybe five kids would read them. I don't know. You can do what you want with these, with these dates. Um, I love the, the, or this is a, this is made up. Catholics made this one up too. All Saints Day is November 1st. And I love All Saints Day because All Saints Day is a remembrance of martyrs and all of the believers who have gone before us. So I think it's a great opportunity for us to kind of review martyrdom, honor the concept of martyrs, and, and, and give ourselves to the Lord anew and say, Lord, I commit that I'm going to be like Stephen, the, the, the biblical Stephen, and I want to be like martyrs of old and you might read a passage from fox's book of martyrs to shock and amaze your kids or you might watch um uh, might watch uh one of the torchbearers episodes about uh people who have uh died for their faith um what's that wonderful woman's name perpetua her man watch a cartoon about awesome perpetua dying for her faith um and and let your children know what we the following God isn't always going to be approved of societally and we're going to steel ourselves against godless forces that might kill us depending on the age in which you live they might kill you for following the Lord hey that's part of our heritage and why don't we take a look at Revelation real quick see what it says about martyrs man these are these are special people and so I like All Saints Day. I don't like that the sort of pagan response to that was, oh, y'all are talking about dead people. Well, let's put graveyard out. And we, we think it's funny. And um, all the, the whole uh, culture of fear and death and gore and spirits, we don't do that. But we also think it's a great time to connect with, with your neighborhood. We think it's a time to be fun and silly. Um, we we kind of take Halloween for what it is. I just carved pumpkins with my with my uh, kids last night. That practice might have pagan roots. I don't know. We just we just do it as a hey, it's it's autumn. There's pumpkins, um, and they and they do trick or treating, which I did, and that's how we treat yeah. it. Yeah, I I have swung the pendulum on this one. It, you know, growing up as a kid, there was not really. Well, I, I do remember being a, a part of a Baptist church where it was kind of like, we're going to have a fall festival. Right. The and alternative. So, but it was exactly the same. We would go to, I mean, I, I definitely went to fall festival as a devil one year. <laughs> um, and my parents didn't think there was anything weird about that. No, no problem. Um, just as long as I didn't go out and celebrate Halloween. Yeah, um, right. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, I I got really dogmatic when we first had kids about, well, we're not having anything to do with this crap. Mm -hmm. And I've since relaxed on that a bit and said, you know, we don't, 
necessarily have to participate kind of exactly what you said in the darkness of the day to, for example, our CrossFit gym had a Halloween competition and everybody dressed up in costumes. I was like, I don't think there's anything wrong with us dressing up as Jane Fonda and, <laughs> and Richard Simmons and going and doing <laughs> exercise. Uh, Delightful. you know, um, I don't think you mentioned it, but we do have another holiday that is um, a traditionally Jewish holiday that it also requires costumes, right? which is Purim. Um, and so in the book of Esther, this, this feast is described and, and actually commanded to be celebrated forever. Um, so I, I think if we've got Purim costumes sitting around and the kids want to put them on on Halloween and go get candy from the neighbors, I don't really think that they're bowing to the Prince of Darkness uh, by doing that practice. Uh, and I do really like the inclusion of All Saints Day as a piece of it. Yeah. Okay, well, I've got a little cap reverse for the whole discussion. Okay. Um just a reminder, the, you're, you're hearing uh, a lot of opinions. We're throwing out some Bible verses, but we're throwing out a lot of opinions as well. So 1 Peter 2.16 says, live as free people. I like that command. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover or a pretext for evil, but use it and live as bondservants of God. So... Well, I'll finish the verse. Show respect for all people, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, and honor the king. I throw that last verse in because, uh, again, patriotism is completely appropriate. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Um, so if we see ourselves, this is Second Peter 16, as bondservants of God then we want to take every opportunity that crosses our monitor to honor God and serve him and serve the, and serve the uh, teaching of him, training our children in the fear and admonition of God in every way that we possibly can. That, that includes having morning prayer time and evening prayer time and stopping once a week and pausing and resting and, um, having meals where we honor God, reading the Bible to our family, and yes, holidays. So you can use them how you want, but uh, you must live as free people, but not use that freedom um, anyway except as a bondservant of God. Yes, and every, every Sabbath, I'd say, part of the prayer that we pray as we start our meal is, Wow, God, you're so incredibly kind that one of the things you prescribe for us to know you is celebration and that you would prescribe it every week and that one of the ways we get to know your goodness is by tasting food. And, and so I would just encourage people that you don't have to, to choose to abandon maybe Christmas if you're going to celebrate or even to use the other example that might irk you a little more. Yeah. You don't have to abandon Easter to celebrate Passover. True. You, you can take and enjoy lots of, of holidays that um, honor the Lord and he's unique among gods 
in his uh, kindness to us that he would give us holidays as a way that we can worship him. Um, that's right. That's pretty awesome. That's great. Okay. All right. Well, until next time, I just uh, wish everyone a happy Halloween. All right. Enjoy your Nikes. Yeah.